welcome to the Faith in Maine podcast. I'm Katie Clark, your host. We are sharing stories of life and faith and ministry across our 58 churches, 18 summer chapels, Camp Bishopswood, three Jubilee centers, and ministries that make up the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. Today, we'd like to share with you the Bishop's Address for the Episcopal Diocese of Maine on the occasion of the 201st Diocesan Convention, October 18th, 2020. On May 29th in 1920, the Reverend Charles Slattery left the rectory at Grace Church in Manhattan, made a two-mile trek to Penn Station, and got on a train. He was coming home to Maine to preach the centenary sermon at Christ Church in Gardner. The Reverend Slattery was a son of this diocese, and he was a preacher's kid. His father had been the rector at Saco, and after Saco, they went up to Rockland to work with people there to start St. Peter's, and then up to Camden to work with people there to start St. Thomas Church. And in the sermon at Christ Church, the Reverend Slattery said this, the diocese, which now rounds out its first century, is a personality with sorrow conquered, with honest achievement, with strong belief in its destiny, with faith in God's perpetual guidance. And we pray that those who serve the church in Maine shall in turn make the diocese a true servant to all people. So here we are a hundred years later and so much has changed. And yet we can still echo Slattery's assertion of who we are as a diocese. We certainly have personality and we have conquered sorrow. We have achieved great things. We believe in our destiny. We profess faith in God's perpetual guidance. And we do pray that we as a diocese will be a true servant to all people. Consider the preacher's words about the diocese as a personality. As the diocese enters our third century, we we do have a unique personality that I think is very much tied to the personality of Maine itself. We see this as we face this global health crisis. There's little drama, there's abundant common sense, there's love for our neighbors, there's respect for our governor and for Dr. Shaw, and there's regard for self-care, and all of those are precious gifts, which strengthened our willingness to change pretty much overnight and to be the church in a very different way. The diocese is a personality. That's what Father Slattery said, and I believe that he'd agree that it is as beautiful today as it ever was. Have we as a diocese conquered sorrow as the preacher proclaimed in 1920? This year in particular, we have witnessed a lot of sorrow in our communities and across the world. With the coronavirus, racism and white supremacy, climate change, and the inability for many of us to be together to worship in person. I know that I'm personally very sad that I didn't get to every single one of our churches in my first year. I wanna learn more deeply the tenor and personality of each of our congregations. 
It often seems like too much, such a sorrowful time this has been. But friends, God is with us in our sorrow, and with Jesus Christ there is light to come after this and every darkness. We need only look to the sorrow of Christ's crucifixion and what came from it. A cross has become for us a sign of hope and peace, and the mystery of faith is that sorrow, suffering, and death are never the end. We know, as did our ancestors in the faith, that God is at work alongside us. And after sorrow, something new slowly or sometimes quickly emerges. The diocese of Maine, to conquer sorrow, we have to commit to the spiritual work of embracing impermanence. The only sure thing, that permanent fixture in our lives, is Jesus Christ. We say it is on Christ the solid rock we stand because it is in him and through him that we conquer sorrow and see how God makes all things new. When Charles Slattery referred to, quote, honest achievement in his sermon, everybody knew what he was talking about. We'd grown up. We'd become independent. We'd built a cathedral. We established churches in every single county. When those in the future look back to our times right now, what you have done, what you have done in the past seven months, may well be even more acclaimed. In March, we all had to adapt quickly. We went online. We used the telephone. We became fluent with Zoom and Facebook Live. We made videos and podcasts. We started meeting weekly in town halls. Our faithful clergy met with church members online and outside through the window. We did everything in our power to remain connected. We realized that our practice of being in person and in church wasn't the only way to be the body of Christ. We demonstrated that practicing faith doesn't depend upon our buildings. It rings particularly true then that our convention theme is nothing can separate us being the body of Christ. This is lifted from St. Paul's hopeful proclamation in the eighth chapter of Romans, and it presses further, suggesting that nothing will stop us from engaging God's mission. And that is what we have seen in this diocese. Nothing has stopped you from serving your congregations, your communities, and from loving each other. Let me pause here and emphasize that this digital pivot that came on so quickly is here to stay. Even when there's a vaccine, even when this pandemic ends, and it will end, and we can regather without worry, some type of digital presence will be vital and necessary. As we have learned already in this digital shift, there are opportunities to love and serve others beyond the traditional means and beyond traditional proximity. As a sign of our commitment to helping you, the Diocesan Council approved the use of reserved funds so that all of our faith communities can apply for a grant of $2,000 to make this shift. For some of our churches, that's a drop in the bucket. For others, it represents the possibility of new life and new expression. Why is leaning into this digital pivot so very important? Well, consider the story of Madeline and Wendell Howard. They're in their 90s, 
They have been pillars of their parish for decades. They have held every conceivable office. They've taught Sunday school. They've shoveled snow. They've counted money. They've welcomed newcomers. They've planned stewardship campaigns. And in the last few years, it's been physically too much for them to get to church. They've missed it terribly. Well, thanks to this digital pivot and a few tech-savvy grandchildren, the Howards are now able to attend church online every Sunday. The pandemic and our response to it has changed lives. And this is an achievement we're only beginning to comprehend. In 1920, when the Reverend Slattery referenced a diocesan belief in our destiny, part of our destiny as the Diocese of Maine is to serve you. The only reason we, the diocesan staff and governing bodies, exist is to serve you, the people of our faith communities, period. We serve to help you get the resources that you need so you can fulfill the call that God is giving you, your destiny. That may come in the form of technical advice or teaching, coming to a vestry meeting via Zoom, or working with our governing bodies to shift the way that we think. And we want to serve you better by evolving how we think and how we work. We are moving away from a focus on compliance, policy, and regulations, and towards customer service-focused, resource-based, innovation-oriented solutions to support you, our faith communities. We have welcomed a new director of communications, and you are continually blessed with the deep bench of wisdom and commitment of those who have served on this diocesan staff for many years. There is another destiny right now. The Diocese of Maine moves to confront racial injustice. Confronting this is a foundational priority for the Episcopal Church. We see this in Becoming Beloved Community Curriculum and the Sacred Ground Learning Series. But since the end of May, and for me it was George Floyd's murder particularly, our church and our society are now laser-focused on racial justice. This systemic issue has taken precedence. Friends in Christ Jesus, justice for all of God's people is our vision. And addressing the systemic racism and the white privilege structures is now part of who we are and what we do. We'll learn and we'll lean into each other's stories. And every single one of us has a story to tell about race, whether we are white, black, indigenous, or persons of color. In our diocese, along with the Episcopal Church, we have a story too. We are a church who is historically English and colonial. We flourished with the British Empire. And we have to tell the truth, which is that oppression and assimilation are part of our history. The reckoning comes with work for each of us and for all of our congregations in Maine, for the whole diocese and for the whole church. To move toward that destiny of confronting racial injustice, we have faith in what Slattery stated in his sermon as, quote, God's perpetual guidance. 
we recently launched a diocesan-wide commission that brings together a newly formed racial justice council with the Committee on Indian Relations and Episcopal Peace Fellowship. And those three together will be a strong resource as we do this work, but I implore you to start this work now. Begin to talk with each other about race, about your own story. Dig into the work of uncovering what biases you may hold. Reach out to your black, indigenous, and people of color neighbors. And there's more. Consider how your congregation refers to the historical fact that all of us settled on land, harvested timber, and fished in waters that belonged to the Wabanaki and other tribes of people who were here long before 1820. This work is not, and it will not be easy, nor should it be. It's deep and soul-searching. Some of us are uncomfortable and scared. Others of us are angry and tired. Yet all of us are here together, and God is with us in the same way, the same way that despairing about a new digital age is going to hinder our growth so too will denying God's urgent call for our church to repair the breach of racial injustice. Diocese of Maine, you are a remarkable community, and I have never been so clear about a sense of call than the one I have toward you. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me, for continuing to teach me, and for showing me the holy and gorgeous truth that God's nature always, always is to bring us from death to life. I pledge to do everything possible to be faithful to you, to listen, to learn, to love, and to lead. I can only do this with your prayers and with your guidance and with your participation. That sermon of a hundred years ago ended with this final sentence. To God we give thanks for the past and to him we pray for love and wisdom that those who serve the church in Maine shall in turn make the diocese a true servant to all people. As we stand here, a hundred years later, we too shall do this with God's help. In the name of God, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Faith in Maine podcast, brought to you by the Episcopal Diocese of Maine.